0: It's really good to see you guys, and we're going to go ahead and get back into our uh, study of the life of Christ uh, through a a harmony of the Gospels. Uh, We're going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the first two chapters of Acts. And we've been at it for almost two years now, and it'll probably take us about another four to get through the life of Christ. But I think it's a very important subject, and there's nothing in the world wrong with going verse by verse through the Scriptures and and seeing Jesus as his life, as he... uh, putting his feet in the sandals and walking with him as he he walked this earth uh, to to come and seek and save that which was lost so let's go ahead and we'll open with a word of prayer we'll do a quick review of something that we talked about last time together and then get started on today's lesson father thank you so much for this day and thank you for the privilege and the joy of being able to come and share your truth and love with brothers and sisters in christ um, you know every man and woman in this room, and we all certainly still have our struggles and things we're dealing with in our lives. So my prayer is that you will continue to sanctify us and conform us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ, and that you, Holy Spirit, will guide us and guard us and give us the willingness and the ability and the opportunities to share your love and your light with others. So help us now in this time of study. Uh, we do know that the natural man receives not the things of God that is foolishness to him. And if we were to try to understand this on our own, Lord, we would fall on our faces. So we need you, Holy Spirit, to, to open our ears and our minds and our lives to this truth. Help us to receive it and believe it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So um, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen you guys do. I just wanted to quickly remind you that for about three weeks before today's lesson, we talked about discipleship. We talked about being a disciple of Jesus Christ, and what did we? Who remembers what that word disciple means? What does it mean to be a disciple? Follower. A follower. follower. Good. It means to be a follower or under the discipline. I was discipline. Going to
1: say discipline.
0: Right? Under the discipline. That's where we get that word disciple from. Yep. Now it wasn't like Jesus was going around and beating his disciples with whips and making no, them no. Uh, making them do what he was doing. He Jesus actually discipled them by what? By by, uh, walking the walk and talking the talk. He showed them what it looked like to be a child of God. He showed them what it looked like to be a son of God. That's very important in our lives too. We can't go around just beating people over the head with Bibles and expect them to conform to the image of Christ. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit and it takes the word of God. But these guys were disciples. They were followers. So for three years, three and a half years, these guys um, were with Jesus every day. And they saw him do miracles. They heard him preach. Uh, they they knew him intimately as a friend, and they saw what it looked like to for f- to know God. Remember, he told Thomas, he said, "If you have seen me, you have seen the Father." Jesus is the direct character, the direct expression of who his Father is. He's a chip off the old block, if you will, right? And yeah. so he he's he's uh, God in the flesh he clothed himself in humanity and walked among us so that we can know him and so as we were talking about Jesus teaching his disciples uh, the last time we were together he gave them some warnings and some of the warnings that he gave them was that the world is not going to like you that you are uh, not going to be uh, greeted and welcomed into people's homes that people are going to revile you people are going to hate you People are going to curse you, and you are going to live a life that is going to be uh, scattered with um, persecution and hardship okay. and hunger and pain and jail and suffering, right? Now, generally, when we hear a pastor in a church offering salvation to people, they usually don't bring that up, do they? No, they Not don't. At first, right? no. <laughs> I it's not it's not like they say hey not you,
1: welcome yeah back come in.
0: come and come and join <laughs> Jesus and uh, die and yeah. but but that really is the message isn't it? what did Jesus yes, say you got to take up your cross and follow him you got to learn to die to self and live for Christ and and so uh, I think we do a disservice in the world today when we try to make people think uh, that the Christian life that being a disciple of Jesus Christ It's just some glorious thing where all of our bills are going to be... I have
1: to say something there. Because the life I was living before was so horrible, so awful. And when Christ came into my life, it is a thousand times better. No matter how much I could be persecuted, I was persecuted then. But in my case, my life is better. It's better, it's happier, I feel safer. I'm, I'm... I feel protected. I'm safe, and, and I don't have to no survive Lord. anymore. So I can dream now. You know what is heaven going to be like? And so, I,
0: yeah. but, so when when Jesus saves us, He sets us free from the bondage of sin. So. We were being persecuted, but we were being persecuted by our own ignorance well, and rebellion oh, to him man, and his can, law. You, you see I can what I mean? That. And and so we were being persecuted. We were suffering. Our bodies suffering. were being destroyed by yep. bad decisions we were making. Um, we had embraced the world. Um, how did Paul put it? He said, "You were on the course of this world, following the prince of the power to air, following the spirits, and now working in the sons of disobedience." And in times past, we had our walk in this world, and we were on a path for destruction, is the way that Paul put it. And so, yes, it is a horrible, that is a horrible life. But um, when it comes to following Jesus, he said, "If if you believe me, if you trust me, if you love me, obey my commandments, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And it sets you free to be the person he created us to be instead of the person that this world is trying to make us into. But the reality is, is even as we walk free in Christ, the world around you that is in bondage is going to hate you, It's going right. to persecute you. It was a blessing for that. me,
1: though, to know how bad it can be without God. I think I needed to know that. Sure. So no, no matter how bad it gets on this side with Christ, yeah. it'll never be yeah. that bad. Some people aren't
0: lucky enough to be able to see that before. Right. So it's, it, it's, um, it, it, it does, as disciples, it's going to cost us something. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that he was trying to teach his disciples. That taking up your cross and following him is not Dorothy and Toto and the Yellow Brick Road. No. no. It's, no. A, it's a life of death to self and a life of living for Christ. And that's a, that's a hard thing for us to do because we kind of like ourselves. <laughs> and to die to self is not something that we particularly embrace. I'd
1: like I, I say I'd like to put in myself
0: first. Sure, and we all, and we we all do. And so during the three and a half years of Jesus' life, he was teaching his disciples what it was to be a disciple. But not only did Jesus teach him what it was to be a disciple, but he showed them what it was to be a follower of God. He showed them what it really looked like to follow God. And they followed him to the cross. Now, remember, what happened at the cross? They nailed the cross. What did all the disciples do? They ran. They ran and hid. Why? Because they were scared that they were going to get arrested and put into the same situation that he was in. And so, with that said, we're going to see the example of John the Baptist today. We're going to see the example of John the Baptist, and so our lesson today is going to be basically on John the Baptist. Now, remember, we've learned about him in the past. John the Baptist was one the one prophesied in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi. It said that uh, that God, before the Messiah comes, that He would send a voice crying in the wilderness that would say, "Make uh, make a way for for the King. The Messiah is here." You know, here he is. And so the Old Testament prophesied that before the Messiah comes, that God would send a messenger, a herald. He's a cousin. Yeah, he is his cousin, yeah. And and he was going to proclaim that Jesus has come. And so y'all remember this story uh, in John we did. This has been a, maybe a year and a half ago where john baptized jesus remember in the wilderness john was out there preaching repent uh, for the kingdom is at hand and 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 turn from your sin itself and behold the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world we remember all of that and when jesus was baptized remember when he came out of the water they saw uh john saw the dove the spirit of god hovering like a dove and settling upon jesus to empower him to do what he was called to do Mm-hmm. And so John played a very important role in the announcing that the Messiah was here, that the Messiah was here. And in the same way we, said we have a very similar uh, responsibility on us as his disciples now, don't we? And not only do we say that that the, that G, the Messiah is here, but he has completed his task. What was his task? It is finished. His task was to come and purchase a people for himself, uh, for his father, through his shed blood. His sacrifice right. for our Yeah, and so when Jesus hung on that cross and said, it is finished, what it means is he had completed the task that he had come to do. And now he's ascended into heaven, and he's sitting at the right hand of the Father. So not only, John, the, it, Jesus said that John the Baptist um, <clears throat> was the greatest of all of the, prophet, the old prophets, and it wasn't greatest because of the... Uh, how good he was, it was the greatest because of the message that he had the opportunity to proclaim. Because Moses and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Daniel and Joel and Amos and Obadiah, Joel and Micah and Nahum, none of those guys knew who Jesus was. They knew he was coming, and they were prophesying him coming, but they never got a chance to see him. Whereas John the Baptist got to proclaim he's here, and it's a greater message. So when Jesus said he's a greater prophet, it simply means that his message was the greater message. Right? But it also said that he doesn't even compare to the least in the kingdom of God. Why? Because now we have more of a message to proclaim. What is the message that we have to proclaim? That Jesus has risen, that he's come and died for our sins. He was buried in a grave three days later. He rose from the dead. Now he's ascended into heaven and he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And even though you live in a world that looks like it's falling apart, Jesus is sitting on his throne in heaven waiting for his enemies to be made his footstool. He's not up there pulling his hair going, oh no, what am I going to do with all those crazy people bombing one another and killing one another? What am I going to do about all these hurricanes and these earthquakes and these tornadoes and, and all of this and the wars and the persecutions and, and and my church is in a mess? And He's not up there pulling in his hair worried about things. Why? Because he's gone and he's in control. He doesn't have to be worried about he's anything. He's already
1: chosen the right.
0: people that will be in the case of heaven. So when we... So he
1: can just look down watch it unfold. Watch it, it unfold. <laughs> because
0: the way that the world is unfolding right now is revealing two things. It's he revealing will. those that belong to him and it's revealing those that yeah. don't belong right. to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And yeah. so the, and, and that, that same thing works for our persecution and, and our discipleship. A true disciple is going to uh, train and learn and fight and struggle and do. You see? His sheep are going to follow him. No matter what. He said, I know my sheep. My sheep know me. When I call, they, they come and they follow me. And so where are we to follow him? We're to follow him to the cross. We're to die with him and be buried with him, and then one day we're going to be raised, raised again and seated with him in heaven, you see? And so we follow him. And as disciples, that's what we're doing. So John the Baptist is one of uh, the, uh, is a very important prophet who was. Uh, task with proclaiming that the kingdom is at hand. And so Jesus had just got finished talking with his disciples as we looked in Matthew chapter 10, uh, Matthew chapter 13. Now we're in 14, okay. but in Matthew 13, Matthew 10, um, we saw where Jesus, uh, Mark 6, Mark 5, we saw where Jesus was telling his disciples that they were going to be uh, that their discipleship, their following Jesus was going to cost them. And it was not going to be an easy road. And now we're going to see John the Baptist and see what it really looks like to follow Jesus.
1: Didn't John the Baptist have a period where he doubted just
0: a little Yes. Yeah, we talked about that just a couple weeks ago. And so um, when he got thrown into jail and had been locked up for the kingdom's sake, he was like, are you really the one? Because we thought you were coming to set up the kingdom. And now here I am running into jailhouse like, you know, what's up? And, and we could get that same attitude,
1: couldn't we? But he hadn't died for us since first year. He had nobody
0: in his kingdom. There you go. All right. So in Matthew chapter, we're going to look at all three stories today and then we'll go back and use one of the stories and break it down. So Matthew 14 verses one through 12. It says, at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the news about Jesus, right? And said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him into prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. So Jesus is going around doing all of these miracles, and Herod the Tetrarch is saying, Oh, this must be John the Baptist come back from the dead. He thought it was a resurrected John the Baptist that was going around and doing all of these miracles. And then it's going to explain why he thinks, Herod thinks, he's raised from the dead. Because he's the one that had him put in the grave. He
1: had his head cut off,
0: didn't Yeah. not yeah. And so it says, for John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. All right. So John was arrested.
1: So why was that?
0: John was arrested and bound and put in prison because of a woman named Herodias the wife of Herod's brother, Philip. Wow. So Philip was married to Herodias. Philip is Herod's brother. Herod took a liking to his sister-in-law and took her from his brother. So he's shacking up now with his sister-in-law. All right. And it says Herod had John arrested. This is verse three of Mark, Matthew fourteen. For when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip. For John had been saying to him, "It is not lawful for you to have her." Although Herod wanted to put him to death, he feared the crowd because they regarded John as a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod so much that he promised her with an oath to give her whatever she asked. Having been prompted by her mother, she said, Give me here on a platter the head of John the Baptist. And although he was grieved, the king commanded it to be given because of his oath and because of his dinner guest. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took away the body and buried it and then they went and reported it to Jesus. Okay, so now turn with me over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Just a couple pages to your right there. And in Mark chapter 6, we're going to see the story, same story told over again by Mark. So in Mark 6, verses 14 through 29, it said King Herod heard of it for his name had become well known and the people were saying, John the Baptist has risen from the dead and that is why these miraculous powers aren't working him. But others were saying he is Elijah, and others were saying he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he kept saying, John, whom I have beheaded, is risen. For Herod himself had sent and had John arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Now Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death and could not do so. For Herod was afraid of John. Knowing that he was a righteous and a holy man, he kept him safe. And when he heard him, he was very perplexed because he used to enjoy listening to him. A strategic day came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for the lords and the military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. And when the daughter of Herodias herself came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guest. And the king said to the girl, Ask me for whatever you want, and I will give it to you. And he swore to her and said, Whatever you ask of me, I will give it to you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? And he said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately, she came in a hurry to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And although the king was very sorry, yet because of his oath and because of his dinner guests, he was unwilling to refuse her. Immediately, the king sent an executioner and commanded him to bring back his head. And he went and had him beheaded in the prison. And he brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard about this, they came and took away his body and laid it in a tomb. The apostles gathered together with Jesus, and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. For there were many people coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. They went away and abode to a secluded place by themselves." All right, one more quick verse, and then we're going to go back. to Just keep your finger here in Mark 6, because we'll use this story. But flip ahead, keep your finger in Mark 9, and turn with me to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, and we'll look at verses 7 through 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 7 through 9. And this is what it said. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard of all of that was happening, and he was greatly perplexed, because it was said by some that John had risen from the dead, and by some that Elijah had appeared, and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen again. Herod said, I myself had John beheaded, but who is this man about whom I hear such saying? And he kept trying to see him. Okay? So, what we just did was we read the accounts of the death of John the Baptist from Matthew's point of view, Mark's point of view, and Luke's point of view. And all three of those stories when we read them in harmony help us to have a better picture of what happened to John, right? That's what we do when we talk about a harmony of the gospels. Right. If you were to if you were to go out, we were leaving this parking lot today and there was a wreck at the intersection of that red light out there and you stick stuck around, the police would come and take Uh, witness uh, reports from all of the people that saw it. And would everybody tell the policeman the same exact thing? No. No. Why not? They don't remember the
1: same way they saw it with their own
0: perspective. Okay, good. So a mechanic might have said, yeah, that was a Ford F-150 you know, uh, uh, extended cab with with dualies on the back of it. You know? and I would
1: have said yeah but it had a pink stripe down the side
0: there you go (laughs) and and maybe one of the doctors pulling out of the the hospital might say yeah I saw the young lady's head snap back when she was hit and she's probably got he would have looked at it from a doctor's perspective and that's exactly what you have going on when you read the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John you're hearing it from four different perspectives Luke was a doctor so when we go to the, the crucifixion of Jesus, who do you think is going to have the most graphic picture of the crucifixion of Jesus? Yes. It's going to be the doctor who would be concerned more with the physicality or the physical nature of the crucifixion. He would notice what happened to his hands, notice what happened when they stuck the uh, spear in his side, that kind of thing. And so in this story today, we've seen the story of John the Baptist. And just from the get-go, what do we know happened? John the Baptist had his head cut off. He was martyred. Now that word "martyr" means witness. Okay. How many of y'all have ever heard of a martyr before? What is a martyr? Somebody gave their life for the faith. You know? Yeah. Well, usually for a, that would be a Christian martyr that gives their life for the faith. But a martyr is someone who dies.
1: used to give up their purpose.
0: Right. It's a person who because dies for dead. their cause. Right. Yeah. But the word martyro means witness. Alright? So, so John the Baptist was a witness. He was a martyr. What does that mean? He had his head cut off. Now what was he witnessing to? Jesus. He was witnessing to the righteousness of God, wasn't he? Jesus. He was preaching about Jesus. And not only that, he witnessed uh, and called things out for what they really were. He spoke truth. So he was a witness for the truth. So, the background to the story was that Herod, the Tetrarch, that's basically the mayor or the governor of that town, Herod, the Tetrarch, had a wife. And his wife's name was Herodias. And Herodias had been, at one time, married to his brother, Philip. So he stole... His sister-in-law from his brother, and he married her. It sounds like something straight out of Jerry Springer, doesn't it? Yeah. Right? Yes, it yeah.
1: actually does. Yeah, it
0: does. Or something that might happen here in South Georgia, right? Yeah. That sounds exactly like something that would go on in the streets and neighborhoods around my town. Yeah. Somebody stole. The, matter of fact.
1: The trailer park.
0: <laughs> matter of fact, I actually know. Redneck thing. I actually know somebody that that happened to. Wow. Yeah, well, yes. Yep, I know somebody that that actually happened to that he had his brother stole his wife from him. He started having an affair with her, took her from him, and married her. Sure oh, enough, so I mean, it, wow. is that something that could really happen today? It's, it's
1: yeah, probably something that happens more
0: often. More than often than we think, yeah. Because yeah. you know, before to get married, you know, your, your brother had a girl, and you think she was kind of pretty, right? You might be thinking about taking Ooh. her from your brother, you know. <laughs> and so, what happened? Herod. Stole oh, okay. his brother's wife. There
1: was no
0: repercussion oh. from Philip. No, because Herod was the mayor or the governor. He had he had the political clout. He yeah. did, right? He had the clout. <laughs> and it's the same way up there in Washington nowadays. There's a bunch of crooked rascals up there that's oh, got clout, and they don't get in trouble for half the stuff they do, do they? Oh. They don't. They,
1: so they got
0: Hunter crazy. Biden up there smoking crack and and you know yeah. doing all kind of crazy stuff, and he well, just gets to do whatever he wants. Why? Because his last name is Biden, yeah, right. And and I mean, I'm not just picking on the Democrats. There's crooked Republicans There's more
1: up there. Mm-hmm. All. <laughs> uh,
0: they're all crooked. Yeah. If um, they all have, most of them are, ninety percent of them are lawyers. And Jesus called lawyers a den of snakes, right? Yeah. Because they, uh, they, they use their words to hurt and people. They are
1: mostly yeah. lawyers. I've noticed that over the past few yeah. years. Yeah. That's
0: right. They're like called the lawmakers in this country. Yeah. And They're crooked. But anyhow, that now we've done got off the point. But yeah. So what happened? John went before Herod and, and told him that he had no right to be married to that woman. He got into his personal business, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Right. What do you think happens to uh, what? Do you, what do you think happens to them reporters that report stuff that not supposed to be reported? They lose their job. They lose you their credibility. You don't they?
1: Yeah, you know, you lose fund, their they right.
0: And and well, sometimes they true. sometimes <laughs> they have accidents, mm-hmm. don't they? Oh yeah. Yes they do. And so uh, John called this prominent figure in the community out and said, "You have no right to be." Uh, with your brother's wife now why did John do that help me out guys. because he
1: was standing up for what he believed and for what Christ what he knew to be the
0: truth okay and so what is the truth the, the law of God uh, what is the law of God that he was preaching at Haran uh,
1: adultery
0: yeah thou shall not commit adultery right. he's saying you're having an adulterous affair affair and what is Herod saying that's not an adulterous affair I'm married to her You see? He I got me. the law on my <laughs> side <laughs> That's what Herod's saying. No, no. But according to God's law, what is he saying?
1: According to God's law,
0: it's Philip's wife. He was an adulterer, all right. No. And John was calling him out on it. It's the same way today. And 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 uh, there's people running around uh, doing all kinds of things nowadays. And and you know what they'll say? Well, that was it, it back in that era. That that don't count anymore. That rule don't count for us because those people they weren't educated. They didn't understand anything back then. And I want you to think about the implications of this. How guilty are we, as the body of Christ, as his disciples, as his followers, for not standing up for the truth when we have the opportunity to? All right. How guilty are we? Very guilty. And I can tell you I'm guilty of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just matter of fact, I just had a young lady the other night. I was working in a, in a, of course, now it wasn't a mental ward, but I was working with a young lady who was in her 20s, and she told me that she wanted to be a preacher. She said, I think God's calling me to be a preacher. Right? And I bit the side of my cheek because I wanted to bash her over the head with a Bible and tell her, <laughs> you are a woman and you are not right. qualified to be a preacher. Mm-hmm but I feel the same way but there was a part of me that wanted to continue counseling with this young lady and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with her she could be a
1: teacher of
0: women right but but I wanted to share the gospel with her and there was a part of me that backed off of bringing that up you see what I mean like I probably when I left there I prayed about it I probably should have said something about it I should have said something like you just said Lori. Um, you're the, according to God's word, you are not qualified to be a pastor, but you can be a yeah. teacher of women. Yes, I, I'm I should, I should have said something like that, but I didn't. I backed away from the argument, right? Because I wanted to keep the peace, right. and I wanted to continue to share the gospel with this young lady. Right. But I think I did a disservice. You see what I mean? You you're
1: sharing the gospel. You have to share the whole gospel, and she's not qualified.
0: Right. And so, gotta, you, you understand what I'm do. saying, but there was a part of me that backed away from that well, argument, Yeah.
1: there
0: was a part of me that backed away from that, okay, I'll give you another example. Um, I was in that same middle ward, and I have a man, a man who is a, uh, dresses like a woman, got long hair, colored Cold fingernails, <laughs> lipstick, <laughs> and the works. No. The only problem was he was wearing spandex and I can tell you that he was not a woman. <coughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> okay. Oh wow. Now we were right. We were in the middle of the <laughs> the Bible lesson. He actually the guy actually he, he giggles and laughs the whole time that I'm teaching because he's not a believer. He's in complete right. utter rebellion against God. But he does stay in the class and he listens to the lessons that we're we're teaching, and that's important. Yeah, if something. he can hear the word of God, the Spirit of God can break anybody's heart and yeah. bring them to repentance. So he's in the class, and I, um, so I, I was using an example of something about perishing. The word perishing, and we were talking about how bananas turn brown. Mm-hmm. That that's an example of what it looks like for something to perish. Yeah. They're green, then they're they yellow, then mm-hmm. they are brown, then they get front flies all over and they rot. Yeah. And I said, uh, and it, I said when we first put the bananas out, they're about the color of that young man's pants. Mm-hmm. Now it, but he had on yellow neon spandex, you see. Oh, wow. Now one of the other people in the room. Yeah. One of the other people in the room, another girl who is transgender that oh, no. identifies as a man, she spoke up in the group and she said, that's not a man, he's a woman. Now listen what she said. That's not a man, he's a woman. 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 Alright? So there's complete, utter confusion in the room. <laughs> you understand? You how no, confused they right, are. No, now, they right don't know what right they're, going they're just want to rebel. So think about it. They're going rebellion. just to rebel. And <laughs> so... The guy in the spandex, the, Whoa. the guy in the spandex, did not say anything. He kept his mouth shut. He, really? Yeah, which surprised me. I thought he was going to like tell yeah. me that I needed oh, wow. to address him as ma'am. But <laughs> but he kept quiet, but this other yes, person spoke up, all right? Yeah. Now, for the sake of the class, I dropped it right there. Yeah. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I could have went right to Romans one, right? Or Corinthians six. I could have went and to the book of Leviticus and showed them where they are in complete utter rebellion to God. Yes. You should've. But I wanted I had a group of people in that that were locked in on the lesson that we Mm -hmm. were doing and I didn't want to get sidetracked. So in this situation, I didn't back away because I was afraid to, that they were going to argue back with me. Well, I backed away because I just didn't want to get into a, in a silly argument yeah. with a group of people that were in utter rebellion. I am in a mental war. Right. So mean, I, I, do guess, I don't know if I'm right that. or not,
1: but I think you did the right thing in that case, Right. but not in the first place. Okay, case. so
0: you understand you the point, and you understand that. Do I what now? Feel the same Yeah, way? I, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't. I've actually worked with this guy, for, he's been in and out. For- for several years now I've been dealing with him and what what is what's happened is, is God has turned the poor fellow over to a reprobate mind like he's well, I don't know if he turned him over to a reprobate mind but he's turned him over to his own foolishness and mm-hmm. the guy is like the guy is hurting really bad like he's on drugs and he's yeah. he's, and he's know, dependent on he's dependent on psychoactive um, psychoso- medications to drugs. keep him balanced right don't oh, they, wow. they
1: can they can get in the way of people
0: they're in the Word of God, yeah, I think. They can, they they can. And so, it, and it, so it was the same thing. Um, and I'm telling you guys, like, it, it the same thing happens. the the younger generation. So especially teenage girls. I have never in my life, and just over the last couple two years or so, the the way that this uh, L G B T W X Y Z crowd has amped up the teachings in our school systems, and how they've inundated the newspapers and the magazines and the periodicals, and and the, and the the television shows that the kids are watching, and everything. Like they have literally been brainwashed, and I cannot tell you, I, I would. I, now again, I'm I'm working with a, a skewed uh, group because all of these kids are in behavioral clinics. All right. But I would say that seven out of ten of the young ladies that I deal with nowadays identify as yeah. Uh, bisexual.
1: Yeah.
0: That they love women. Bisexual
1: and, and most of right. them dress like men.
0: Right. And and they identify as guys. And and it's I'm, I'm not I'm not joking when I tell you this. So from the the about thirteen to eighteen year old thirteen to seventeen year old girls, I would say that seven out of ten of the girls that I deal with will tell you that they are. Uh, transgender. That they can how that,
1: upside down is that <laughs> and, and you
0: and you actually see it you see it in the way even the kids are acting so You
1: know Ronnie I think a lot of it comes from low self esteem because I've dealt with too and it's because they didn't think themselves pretty enough or found enough to, to have a boyfriend. So they started leaning the other way. One of them went all the way and now she's gay because she thinks she can get women to be for a companion, but she doesn't think a man will give her a second wife.
0: Right, it's just it's the same. Way, um, that's a, that's a big part of it. Another big part of it is, is it's attractive for the teenagers because they can mess around with girls and they don't worry about pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there's also the the uh, street cred. Uh, right. You know, you stand out in front of the rest of your crew, group when you tell uh, everybody.
1: the a girls, but the guys out there in the gang think you're stupid.
0: Well, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> so and yeah, so you've got... You, you do have... You have guys. There's a lot of young men that are starting to identify as women, too, and I'm seeing I that every... All,
1: Saturday, <coughs> I thought I was seeing things. I'm walking through the park, the little pavilions before you get to the bigger park, the foresight, mm-hmm. and... All these people dressed in green. These guys with dresses on are skipping, and and the got, girls are just like guys. Is it, I asked this old lady, is it, "Did I see what I think I saw, or I was I dreaming?" Was. It's a gay Saturday thing. Yeah. Yeah. I oh, read, oh, wow! I had that. A whole no. like 50 of them. Yep. They had it down here, they had a parade and all. Yeah, they did that. What the hell is going (laughs) on? Then the last one was a tall black man. And he had a dress on. I said, "It's a Jolly Green
0: Giant." <laughs> so he, he started laughing. No, I'm the Jolly Green Giant. That's oh all my God. <laughs> yeah. and So I really thought that was seeing. So what are they doing? They're they're it's it's open it's and confrontational. It so, is confrontational. So sin. They
1: relish it, is being sin throwing it into people's
0: is very yeah. sin is very open and confrontational, isn't it? and it's getting but worse, it's getting worse and worse, and worse. now I'm glad y'all bring that up because that's one of the major points of our lesson today yes. is this we as Christians are not open and confrontational no mm. I can't accept that
1: sometimes well, you, you understand so
0: I want you to think about that I want you to think about the ramification and I'm preaching to myself guys I'm not preaching to you I'm preaching to myself Right. because I want you to think about this they beheaded John the Baptist. Yeah. They beheaded Paul. Yeah. They crucified Jesus. Mm-hmm. Peter they hung upside down. All of his disciples were martyred. Mm-hmm. All of them. All of them were killed except except, except John, John, John Battlepet. So no. but think about that. But he, he was being persecuted was for being his up. belief. So think about that. The message that they were preaching was confrontational. And when you approach sin with righteousness, sin rebels. Badly. That's what it does. And remember three weeks ago in our lesson what we were saying, Jesus said, do not marvel when the world hates you. They hated me. They're going to hate you. So think about that. Jesus came down here to this earth and preached the gospel, preached the truth, and showed us what real love is. Yes. And what did they think of real love? What did they think of Jesus and his message? They were scared They of killed him. him. They hated him. They, they sh- were in utter rebellion. He, him. I think they were more
1: scared. Power. He threatened their
0: power. Yeah, they were scared because he he would bring a judgment upon them. He, and he, he was his righteousness was judging them and condemning them in their lives and the way that they were living their lives. Exactly. And so so think about that. What did they do to the physical body of Jesus Christ? Destroyed. they nailed it Name to a cross Christ. and killed it and killed him church well well, well, think about that what is the church called, known as the body of Christ church. we're the spiritual body of Christ and Christ being the head mm-hmm. well if they did that to his physical body what do you think the world's reaction is going to be to his spiritual body what should the reaction be they hate it and they attack it and they kill it just like they did Jesus you mm-hmm. see Now, they can't kill us. They can't kill us because we have eternal life. But, what am I bringing up? And what is the point of the lesson today? How offensive is the church nowadays? Are you with me? I think that the church is very similar to what I did the other night. Just
1: by being there. And they don't really have to do anything or be out there preaching. They know that uh, we love God inside that church and all this lawlessness and. All this horrible stuff is going on in the outside world—that a church offends them just for being there. It's just getting worse and yeah, worse. Yeah, but and but worse. that
0: no, but that is not the offense that had Jesus nailed to the cross and no. had John and and Paul killed. The offense was Jesus and his disciples and John and Paul went out of the temple and went out into the street Paul went in and called the Romans out on all their pagan gods and goddesses and told them how wicked they were and that they were filthy demons and idols was, you see yeah. Yeah. Paul went out and preached against uh, he called he called the gay people arsenic cortex it, it means that they were gay they were physically acting in an act that was was uh, uh, what is God's word for that um an abomination.
1: Abomination, yeah. Right.
0: I mean, we, we get the term Sodom from... Sodom Sodomy war. from Sodom. And God said that that wicked place was an abomination to Him. Yeah. And He showed us what He does. God showed us what His righteousness looks like when it's poured out on the world. Alright? Now, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be confrontational with the world. And what we what we say is... And I'm, I'm, I'm speaking from... Own personal guilt in this. In the attempt of loving others, I avoid calling them out on what is killing them. Mm-hmm. Are, are you with me? Like, I, yeah. with 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 the express interest of that person's eternal soul and mind, I rationalize and reason within myself that if I can get them to like me, then they will sit long enough to hear the gospel, and then God can save them. And that is that a wrong attitude. Right, because they're yeah, carrying right. on in
1: their sin right in front of you, you're saying nothing. Right, and you say nothing. And, and as as the brother, you're supposed to tell them.
0: That's exactly right. right. So as his disciples, what is required of us? We're number one. It's very important we live a righteous life. You see, right. see, you if right, I right. if I'm guilty of that same sin, I have no right in calling them out. Right. And a lot of times that's our problem, isn't it? A lot of times is if I bring something up about them. They're gonna call me out on things that I've done in my past. Like they're gonna bring up stuff about me, you see. And so, in, the, in an attempt to keep the peace, I keep my mouth shut. Yeah. And so, this is a very, this is a very uh, convicting lesson for me because I don't know. I, I can hardly think of any time in my life. That I have ever been so offensive with the gospel of Jesus Christ and with His Word that somebody wanted to kill me. I can think of so many of my friends and my loved ones and my family members who are hellbound and I've simply not said anything. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. And I think we as the church are guilty of that. Now John was not. John called Herod. Now and what was Herod's reaction to it? Herod got angry and wanted to silence him. Now, yeah. Herod did not do it, did he? No. Because he thought that John was a prophet and he knew that the people loved John. And he was afraid that if he killed John, then the people would start a revolt and knock him out of office. He what what Herod was doing was Herod was playing politics. Yeah. He was a politician. And that's what a lot of those politicians up in Washington are doing. They're just balancing both sides of the act. they got the Planned Parenthood crowd that support abortion, and then they got the religious right crowd that hate abortion, and they're getting money from both yeah, groups. They and they're getting money from both groups, and what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep them balanced out so that they, they can care. keep their, their, their flow coming in from both sides, you see? Yeah. And so Herod does not want to say anything because he do not want to lose his place. He, he loves his position. He loves the power that he has, and he simply doesn't want to say anything because he's afraid that it will cause an uproar in the city. But what happens? He has a big political party there in his house, and all of the lords and the the military leaders and all of his uh, crowd are there in his house, and he has his daughter. Now, I'm assuming that this is his uh, stepdaughter. <laughs> Right, not yeah, his daughter, yeah. but it's Herodias' daughter that she brought. It's, it's his niece, it's his niece, exactly. right? And she comes in and she, she does a a, tea, a a strip dance in front of all of the, the men there in that room. And what happens, all of them were awestruck at the dance that this girl did, and Herod was awestruck himself. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what was going on through his mind. <laughs> you know, but knowing him, he was willing to take his, his uh, sister-in-law. What say he wouldn't take his niece. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm just being right. frank with you. Yeah. And so he makes a vow in front of all of the political leaders of the realm that are all in the room with him. And he says, that was beautiful. Ask me anything that you want and I'll give it to you up to half of my kingdom. Right. So mm-hmm. now his the, uh, stepdaughter, his niece, whoever she is, I would have taken the kingdom. kingdom. Yeah, give me half the kingdom, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> but, she, the head, but she, does she doesn't do with the head. Right. She doesn't. She goes to her mom and asks her mom. Hey, her mom hates John hey, the Baptist
1: so badly.
0: Hey, I got your husband on the hook here. You know <laughs> what do you want? And she said, I want John the Baptist's head. What is is the old saying? Hell hath no fury like a a woman scorned, right? And even though Herod was willing to live with John, calling him out on his lifestyle, she wasn't. She didn't like it. And so she said, I want John to bat his head on a platter. Right? I want you to look at a couple of things. Let's look at that Mark 6 passage really quick. And look at verse 18. It says, for John had been saying to Herod, "It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife." Mm. All right. So what does he say? It's against the standards of God's righteousness for you to be with that woman. Now, uh, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It doesn't say it's not lawful for you to marry your brother's wife. Said to have her because in God's eyes she's still his brother's wife you see so he's just caught up in the adultery and so what is the issue here the issue is is that John is standing firm on the law of God and what it says and he's presenting that to someone who is not he's Standing firm on what God says is righteous, and He's sharing that with someone who is unrighteous. And what is the attitude? <coughs> Shut him up. Silence him. You see. And so it's an outward expression of that inward rebellion in the heart of fallen man, right? Let's um, keep you, keep your finger there, Mark six, and let's look over really quickly over in the book of Romans. in Romans chapter 1. And look what it says there. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So what it's saying is, is God's wrath is being poured out. It's being revealed, poured out from heaven on all ungodliness and all unrighteousness in those men who willfully suppress the truth and unrighteousness. What does it mean to suppress something? Push it down. Push it down. That's exactly right, Michael. If I if I go to the trash can and I got a paper plate full of leftovers and I go to put them in the trash and the trash can's full, I suppress the trash to put my trash in there don't I? Mm-hmm. Now why do I do that? Cuz I don't want to take the trash out. I don't want to deal with the garbage, so I push it down and just put more in there and make it worse. Yeah. All right. When I go to the laundry room and it's Thursday and I do my laundry on Friday and I go in the laundry room and the laundry basket is full, I will suppress the laundry to get my towel and my, my dirty clothes in there, you see? Why? Because I don't want to deal with the laundry today, so I suppress it. Well, what this is saying is that deep down in the heart of all mankind, all man, men are aware that there is something called truth and righteousness. And what do men do with that truth and righteousness? In our fallen nature, we willfully suppress it. We push it down and don't want to have anything to do with it. So it says, but that which is known of God is evident to them for God has made it evident for them. And look down in um, verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculation. And their foolish hearts become darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools, and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image of a form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four footed animals, and crawling creatures. Therefore, God has given them over to their own lust, of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this god reason god has given them over to degrading passions their women exchange the natural functions for that which is unnatural and in the same way also men abandon the natural functions of the woman and burn in their desires towards one another men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness and wickedness and greed and evil and full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice, they are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those that practice these things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but they give hearty approval to those who practice them. So, C.C., we go to your example of Saturday. You go on walking through the park, right. and you see a bunch of happy people, a bunch of men dressed up in and women's, women's dresses. And a bunch of happy women dressed up in men's apparel, dancing around because it's Gay Pride Saturday in the city of Savannah, all right? <laughs> when you ride down into Bay Street now, not only do they have the stupid rainbow flag up on top of oh, it, yeah, it's up on top of, uh, what's the name the, what's the name of the? the
1: Ferry uh, Hall?
0: No, the place where Lady Chablis was at. The, oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, the Club, Club One. Or something. Club, yeah. one. Yeah. Club One. Yeah. All right, you so got they got a old they old. got a big uh, rainbow flag up on top of the building there, and now right on Bay Street, right there in front of the, my Fire Guy, they got one hanging there. They they're, they're <laughs> proud of their rebellion, yeah. is what it is. And not only that, when you but walk what by, lots of folks
1: that don't want to live looking at that all the time. Right. and no and
0: I'm so not. you walk by that that park in downtown Savannah, and uh, they all out there dancing around, and it looks like they're having a good time. They have they have one Saturday here at the restaurant here on Aversham. A bunch of uh, transvestite men running around dancing and hooping and hollering. And and when you see them, what you see is you see a bunch of people that act like they're happy and they're smiling. But this is what God is saying to them. God is saying that my wrath is hanging over you. And the way that I show you that I'm angry at you is I simply turn you over to your own wickedness. And what did he say? He said, They might look happy, but they are filled with unrighteousness and wickedness and greed and evil and full of envy and murder and strife and deceit and malice, gossip, slanders, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, and of evil and disobedient. parents. So, now, not just to point the finger at the LGBTQ crowd, because the reality is, if you go downtown on a Saturday night, there's a bunch of heterosexual people in bars and clubs and nightclubs sleeping, sleeping, sleeping around <laughs> their husbands and their wives and hiding in dark corners and doing things they shouldn't do. You see? Yeah. And the reality is, is God is angry with this fallen world. Mm-hmm. And His wrath is on it. And the terrifying thing and the, the convicting thing for me and you as the church is, There's a lot of His sheep that are drowning in that muck and that mire out there. And we have been commanded to go and be salt and light to them. And according to Him, what does it look like to be salt and light in them? We're to do the same things that John the Baptist did. We're to call them out on what they're doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And what's going to happen? If they're truly His sheep, when you share the Word of God with you... You don't have to be offensive to them. You don't have to go down there and beat them over the head with the Bible. But the Bible, the Gospel... The Word of God is offensive in itself. You go down there and tell them that God's wrath is hanging over them and they need to repent. And if they truly are a child of God caught up in that world, what's going to happen? God, God will yeah, convict them through the Word yeah. and through the Spirit there will be conviction in their life. And who knows that maybe you're going and being honest and being willing to tell the truth to somebody would be responsible for somebody's turning away from the light. save their
1: life save their right? their yeah. eternal. That's exactly
0: right. now what we do in the church and again I'm, I, when I say we I'm pointing at me I can't point at any of you but what right. we do is we want to go to our little churches all Sunday and sit in there and be good little boys and girls and lead <laughs> Jesus' little sheep and worship God and hold our hands up and say oh look at me I'm worshiping God and yet John showed us what it looks like to truly worship him what does it look like to worship him it looks it looks like being a martyr, a, a yeah. witness for him in the world. Be Not just behind the doors. All right? And so we have to be truthful with people. So I want to we gotta finish because we've only got a minute left. Remember, Jesus had just spent all kind of time telling his disciples, Don't be amazed when they hate you. Don't be amazed when they call you out. And don't be amazed when they uh, persecute you and eliminate you from their clubs and, and turn you away from their, the civic uh, the parties and the, yeah. the limelight and the, yeah. the things of this world. Don't be amazed when they push you away. Well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then what does he do? He gives us the example of John the Baptist. And he shows us what it really looks like to be a witness. And God, I'm telling you, and this will be I'm the last thing I say, th- this will be the last thing I say, the time is coming now Yeah. when the world is fixing to clamp down on the church. Yeah. It's happening right yeah, now. People, sure, pastors are being arrested, and it's coming. And the question that you and I are going to have to ha- answer, and it's going to come sooner than later, is... Am I going to stand for Christ or am I going to yield to the Lord? Absolutely. All right. Let's close with a word of prayer. Thank you, all guys, for your time. Most gracious heavenly father, thank you for this day and this time together. Um, Please help us. Please help us to be uh, knowledgeable and uh, full of your wisdom to know when to say something and when not to, uh, to know your truth, to hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against you ourselves. And then give us the power, the strength, the willingness, and the opportunities to go and share that truth with others that your kingdom may come and your will may be done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.